message this morning, the nature of hell, eternal torment or the second death. And this teaching is taken in very large part from an article written by Dr. David Reagan of Lion and Lamb Ministries. The original article is entitled, The Nature of Hell, an Eternal Punishment or Eternal Torment. And I very much respect Dr. David Reagan and his teaching. So here we go. The Bible teaches us that hell, like heaven, is a real place. God created hell for the punishment of the devil and the other fallen angels who joined Satan's rebellion. The fallen angels will be joined in hell by human beings who joined the rebellion of the fallen angels. Hell is also called the second death, Gehenna, and the lake of fire. Hell is described as a place of darkness and sadness, a place of fire, a place of torment, a place of destruction, and a place of disgrace and everlasting contempt. There will be no parties in hell. No one is going to be having a good time partying with their friends and enjoying the sins that they enjoyed on earth. Hell is not the same as Sheol, which is also known as Hades. Sheol is a temporary holding place that exists before the day of judgment. Sheol is different from heaven or hell, which are the final places of the righteous and the wicked. And eventually, Sheol itself will be destroyed by being thrown into the lake of fire. Let's talk about the nature of Sheol. Before Messiah came to earth, both the righteous and the wicked went to Sheol when they died. For the righteous, Sheol was characterized by inactivity and a dreamy kind of reflection. It's described in the Word of God as a place of thick darkness, forgetfulness, silence, and rest. For the wicked, it's described as a place of regret, remorse, and torment. The Son of God made it clear that Sheol has two distinct parts, two sections, two compartments, one for the righteous and the other for the wicked. That's found in Luke 16, the rich man and Lazarus. Before Messiah's death and resurrection, when the righteous died, they went to the part of Sheol where Abraham was. 
along with the righteous. When the wicked died, they went to the other part of Sheol. And there was a chasm separating the two parts so that the righteous and the wicked were separated. Before Messiah came to earth, everyone went to Sheol when they died. However, that changed with Messiah's death and resurrection. After his death, Yeshua descended to Sheol and preached to the spirits there, no doubt proclaiming his triumph over Satan and the fallen angels' sin and death through his death on the cross. After his resurrection, when he ascended to heaven, Yeshua took the souls of the righteous with him. The souls of the righteous are now in heaven before the throne of God. Since Yeshua's death and resurrection, the souls of the righteous don't go to Sheol. They go directly into the presence of God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The souls of the unrighteous will remain in Sheol until the end of the thousand-year reign of King Yeshua on earth. At that time, they will be resurrected and judged at the great white throne judgment. And then, after their judgment, they will be sent to hell. Eternal torment or the second death. The majority of Christians believe that hell is a place of eternal torment. A person in hell will suffer a never-ending life of excruciating pain and torment. I believe that the Bible teaches that the unrighteous will be punished in hell, but for a period of time proportionate to their sins. And then after that, most will experience the destruction of both body and soul in hell, the total destruction of the person. They will experience the second death. However, the really evil, like the fallen angels, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, will suffer forever. Before we consider both of these positions in more detail, we should understand that if we conclude that the wicked suffer eternally or are destroyed after a time, hell is very real, it is a terrible place, and it is to be avoided at all costs. We should also understand that our beliefs about the nature of hell are not essential beliefs, primary doctrines that must be believed, like the doctrines of the Trinity, the deity of the Messiah, salvation by grace through faith alone. No one who believes what I believe about hell is a heretic. Different beliefs about secondary issues like eternal torment or the end of life in hell should not divide us. The second death position. 
my possession. Key verses, Matthew 10, 28, Messiah said, Do not fear those who kill the body, but can't kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Destruction of soul and body in hell means the total destruction of the person. No more body, no more soul, no more person, no more life. Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Heaven is a place of life. Hell is the opposite. It's a place of destruction. Destruction doesn't mean that something continues to exist and function. It means the opposite. When a building is destroyed, it doesn't continue to exist and function as a building. When a bridge is destroyed, it doesn't continue to exist and function as a bridge. When a human being is destroyed, it doesn't continue to exist and function as a human being. It ceases to exist and function. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. Those who do not know God, and those who do not obey the gospel, the message of salvation of our Lord Yeshua, will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. Destruction means that something ceases to exist and function. When a human being experiences eternal destruction, he stops existing and functioning for eternity. He will not exist and function forever. John 3.16. Yes, John 3.16. Probably the best known verse of the Bible is a promise about experiencing eternal life by having faith in the Son of God. However, it also expresses the truth about the end of life of those who don't believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, perish, but have eternal life. Perish means end of life and dissolution, not continued existence. Perishable meat and perishable fruit stop being meat and stop being fruit. They don't continue to exist as meat and fruit. People who perish will experience death and dissolution. They won't continue to exist as people. 
God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. Hebrews 10, verses 26 through 27. If we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. A fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. I have a wood-burning stove in my house. I use it a lot during the winter. The wood I put in the wood-burning stove is burned by fire and turns to ash. The wood is completely gone. No more wood. A fire that consumes God's adversaries means they will be completely burned up, gone. No more adversaries. A fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Hell is called the second death. How can hell be the second death if it's a kind of eternal life? A life of eternal torment. No. For most, the second death is not another kind of eternal life. It is the complete end of life. It is the cessation of life. The second death. All right, so that's my position. Hell is the second death, emphasizing death. Here's what most Christians believe, the eternal torment position. Matthew 25, verse 46. Then these, the wicked Messiah said, will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The word eternal is used both of the wicked and the righteous. Therefore, punishment must be eternal in the same way that life is eternal. Then the wicked will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So here's my response. Eternal punishment can mean punishment that's characteristic not of this age, but characteristic of the age to come, characteristic of eternity. Punishment that's characteristic not of time, but of eternity, eternal punishment, different kind of punishment. And eternal punishment can mean punishment that has eternal consequences. There's a difference between eternal punishment and eternal punishing. It's one thing to experience a punishment that is eternal in its consequences, eternal punishment. It's another thing to experiencing, to experience punishing that lasts forever, eternal punishing. Hebrews chapter 6 teaches us about the reality of eternal judgment. Mentions that phrase, eternal judgment. 
Eternal judgment is not a judgment that continues eternally. God is not judging and judging and judging and judging forever. No, eternal judgment is a one-time judgment that has eternal consequences. Just as there is a difference between eternal judgment and eternal judging, there is a difference between eternal punishment and eternal punishing. Hebrews 9 teaches us about eternal redemption. That phrase, eternal redemption. This does not mean that the Son of God will forever be involved in the act of redemption. No, his once and for all redemption was accomplished by his death and his resurrection. Eternal redemption means that the consequences of Messiah's redemption are eternal. Just as there is a difference between eternal redemption and eternal redeeming, again, there is a difference between eternal punishment and eternal punishing. If God punishes a person in hell so that the consequences are eternal, so that they die the second death, so that body and soul are destroyed in hell, so that they no longer exist for all eternity, does that qualify as eternal punishment? I believe it does. People don't need to experience eternal punishing, uh, eternal punishing, eternal torment to experience eternal punishment. Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 48. We covered it last week. I'm going to repeat it. Messiah said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fires of hell with two hands. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. So at surface, surface glance, eternal torment in hell is true because the maggots never die and the unquenchable fires of hell never go out. Here's my response. There will be no escape from hell. No one who is sent to hell will return from there and cause any more trouble of any kind because they will be completely destroyed. That's what Yeshua meant when he said that the wicked will be thrown into hell where the maggots never die and the unquenchable fire never goes out. To reinforce his teaching, Yeshua quotes Isaiah 66, which says, All humanity will come to worship me, this is God speaking, from week to week and from month to month. And as they go out, they will see the dead bodies of those who have rebelled against me, for the worms that devour them will never die, and the fire that burns them will never go out. 
All who pass by will view them with utter horror. After he returns and defeats all his enemies, King Messiah will rule from Jerusalem during the millennial kingdom for a thousand years. He will be worshipped by everyone on earth. His enemies who were alive when he returned will not cause any more problems during those thousand years. They will be completely destroyed and shamed. Maggots can die and not finish consuming the corpses they started eating. Maggots that never die completely consume the corpses of the dead. The maggots that never die are assisted by an unquenchable fire. Fire may be quenched before it has entirely consumed what it's burning. Fire that never goes out means fire that completely consumes what it's burning. Maggots eating corpses that have not been buried and fire burning bodies that haven't been buried describe shame and complete destruction. Not eternal torment during the millennial kingdom on earth. Revelation 14, 9 through 11. If anyone worships the beast, the Antichrist, and its image, and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. Since the smoke of those who give their allegiance to the Antichrist goes up forever, they must be tormented forever. So here's my response. The wicked will be tormented and have no rest day and night. However, it is the smoke of their torment that goes up forever. Other passages that are similar to this reveal that smoke that goes up forever means punishment that has eternal consequences, not a punishment that continues eternally. For example, Isaiah 34 describes the smoke of Edom's destruction that will go up forever. Well, the nation of Edom was in fact destroyed. It no longer exists. However, there is no smoke going up from Edom today. Smoke that goes up forever means Edom's destruction gives unending testimony about the way the Lord judges a sinful nation. Edom was completely destroyed, even though it talks about the smoke of Edom's destruction going up forever. Jude 7 informs us that Sodom and Gomorrah experience, quote, the punishment of eternal fire. 
Those cities no longer exist and are not on fire today. They experienced a fiery destruction that had eternal consequences. Sodom and Gomorrah's punishment teach us about the eternal consequences for sin, not eternal punishing. Revelation 20, verse 10. The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast, that's the Antichrist and the false prophet, were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet will be tormented forever. Therefore, the argument goes, so will everyone else who is sent to hell. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's what most Christians believe. My response. God will punish the fallen angels and the most evil people like the Antichrist and the false prophet. And maybe uh, the politician that you hate the most with eternal torment. But that doesn't mean that he will do the same thing for all people. Because the Lord is a just judge, and there are degrees of punishment. There's degrees of reward, and there are degrees of punishment. The punishment must fit the crime. Here's what I'm talking about. Messiah told his disciples that it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah, which represent extreme wickedness, than for the chosen people who heard the truth about Yeshua and rejected it because we Jewish people were given more knowledge and to whom much is given, much is required, and judgment is more severe for failure. The greater the sinner, the greater the punishment. So when most people have suffered enough, most people will die the second death. They will not be tormented forever and ever like Satan and the fallen angels and the Antichrist and the false prophet. Another argument for eternal torment. Human beings are made in the image of God. And since God is eternal... The soul is eternal. People must suffer forever in hell because we are born with an immortal soul, a soul that can't die, a soul that must live forever, our immortal soul. So here's my response. The soul is not immortal. We have to do something. We have to get something outside of ourselves to live forever. Adam and Eve did not have immortal souls. They had to eat the fruit of the tree of life in order to live forever. Now, after the death and resurrection of the Son of God, we have to believe the good news, the gospel about Yeshua, in order to live forever. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul stated very clearly that Messiah has abolished death, and brought life 
and immortality to light through the gospel. Immortality is a result of having faith in the good news about Yeshua, the Messiah. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul stated that Yeshua followers become immortal at the time of the resurrection. For this perishable, remember the word perishable, must put on the imperishable. And this mortal must put on immortality. Put on immortality. Human beings are mortal and perishable until they believe the good news about Yeshua and then are resurrected. There's no need to believe that people will suffer eternally in hell if the soul is not immortal. And it isn't. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Rabbi Paul made it clear that God alone possesses immortality, not us. We are not inherently immortal. Another argument for eternal torment. Hell must be eternal because of the nature of God. God is eternal. Sin is an offense against the eternal God. And since God is eternal, sin needs to be punished for eternity. My response, God is eternal. But the punishment of the sin of mortal creatures doesn't need to be eternal, and it isn't, because God's nature is righteous and just. Is it right, is it just, if a 13-year-old who was a decent kid but was not interested in God and was killed in a car accident is tormented for eternity? Shouldn't the punishment fit the crime? Must not the judge of all the earth do justly? Doesn't make sense to eternally torment a 13-year-old for millions and billions and trillions of years. Another argument for eternal torment. The threat of eternal torment is worse than the threat of the complete end of life after being punished for a time and therefore is a better deterrent. If we tell people that they will burn in hell in excruciating pain forever, that is a very strong deterrent. And we don't want to lessen that strong deterrent. My response, the threat of eternal torment is worse than being punished for a time and then ceasing to exist. However, being punished in proportions to one's sins, followed by destruction of body and soul in hell, the second death, is a sufficient deterrent. That would deter me. Another argument against eternal torment. Eternal torment contradicts what the word of God teaches about punishment. The Lord destroyed all the wicked people who lived before the flood, with the flood, but their destruction happened suddenly. 
He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with fire. But it happened quickly. He ordered the Canaanites to be killed, but they were to be killed quickly. According to the word of God, there were no long jail sentences in the law of Moses. Torture was not allowed. Punishment consisted of restitution, swift corporal punishment or death, and not a cruel or unusual death. Even animals were to be killed as quickly and painlessly as possible. The teaching of eternal torment insults the nature of God. It's not consistent with the God who is good, loving, kind, and merciful. It makes God cruel and sadistic. So, what is the nature of hell? Eternal torment or more like the second death? I obviously believe the biblical evidence teaches us that it is more like the second death. Now, you may conclude that eternal torment is right, as most Christians and Messianic Jews do. However, whatever we conclude about the nature of hell, we should agree that hell is real, it is a terrifying, horrible, awful place that should be avoided at all costs. We should do everything we can to prevent ourselves and others from being sent to hell. So, if you haven't already, end your part in the great rebellion against God. Become loyal to God the Father and Messiah the Son. Take radical action like Messiah told us to take to avoid sin. Tell others the good news about salvation and eternal life through Yeshua.